Welcome back to Operation for Equality. This is actually the last episode of our series, so we're going to be covering quite a broad topic today. This topic is the general advocacy for gender equality. Yeah, when people advocate for gender equality, they often do it in a very female versus male way. When really, when we advocate for gender equality, we need to consider all genders. Obviously, most statistics focus on a very female versus male view, but the way we advertise this information can be done in quite a gender-neutral way. I guess we've tried to be more gender-neutral on our Instagram page, outside of statistics, through using second person and directing our information at the viewer, rather than at a particular gender. Yeah, and not making assumptions about the people you are advertising your material to is such an easy way to start. Because gender equality is not only about the status of women in society, but also the equality and inclusion of all gender identities. Gender equality is being promoted in many different ways and in many different areas. But there are many areas where gender equality still needs to be promoted. I think a main area we need to start is on not designing specific products with gender in mind. These areas can range from the deodorant industry to even the car industry. Just because there's already a lot of promotion inspiring people to stand up against gender inequality doesn't mean we should just forget about it. Instead, we, as a society, should take advantage of this motivation and work towards inspiring people in higher standing positions to also work towards a difference, because this will make a quicker and more influential change. Yeah, exactly. And if more people get involved in working towards gender equality for everyone, then it'll be easier to make the changes needed to impact the world and change people's lives. On that note, we are now here with Parika Verma. So hi Parika, how are you going? I'm good, how are you going? Good, yes. good day. Um, so could you tell us a little about what you do? Yes, definitely. So my role currently is of a service designer. So I'm working for a design-led innovation company. And essentially my job entails designing the customer experience around any sort of service that is offered by an organization. So for example, if you take an air f- a flight to go somewhere, not that we're taking any flights at the moment, Um, but typically there's a lot of touch points that you would go through to avail that service. So I'm really interested in understanding and improving the entire customer experience that is around any sort of service. So that would be, you know, everything from booking your flight, everything from, you know, availing the different add-ons that you might have, getting your reminders. So all of those different touch points really come together and constitute of that customer experience. And that's usually what I work on designing as well. Awesome. That sounds really interesting. (laughs) Uh, So you mentioned a project you're working on with an organisation. Can you tell us a little about that and what you've learned about gender expectations in the development process? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I'm working on a really interesting project right now, and this is basically around improving the customer experience um, around a service that's been given by an organisation. And that service is basically... Um, this organization have developed a career transition software to balance work and care for parents that might be working. So the premise is a lot of times we feel that, you know, men and women might be in those really equal and non-gendered roles, even when we're in our working lives. But often at times those gender roles will end up kicking in once we start having babies. And, you know, that's when typically, you know, women will take on certain roles and responsibilities and men will take on others. And we know for a fact that at least half of the working women will experience discrimination at this time. Only one in 10 will ever actually report it. And eight out of 10 are going to suffer mental health issues as a result of it. So the entire premise of this entire project is that this organization has developed an empowerment framework that is evidence-based that allows for women to have a lot of knowledge and content that allows them to elevate themselves out of those gendered roles. And, 
my job is to basically improve that entire customer experience around actually, you know, working and with that content as well. Awesome. Could you tell us a little more about like what you've learned through developing that? Yeah, definitely. So one of the key things was that, you know, language is really important. So when we're talking about gender equality and we're talking about, you know, rising above those inequities, um, it's really important to firstly understand that gender is a spectrum. So when we talk about that, um, it's really important to consider when do we talk about gender neutrality and when do we talk about gender diversity? So that means, um, first of all, if I talk about gender neutrality, it's about really considering sometimes a lot of the work that we're doing, does this content or does this work really need to be gendered? You know, sometimes by gendering certain things, we end up excluding a lot of people as well. And second is that when do we need to have gender diversity? So that means how can we be more inclusive of the entire spectrum of genders and use language, use visuals, use content that really acknowledges the fact that it is a spectrum and that there's different expressions that people will have of gender. So for me, that was a really big sort of eye opener as well. How do I be more aware of, does, is this a moment for diversity or is this a moment for neutrality? What is the consequences of the work that we're doing right now? Secondly, an interesting emergence was that we really need to have some systematic interventions in place if we're going to be you know, tackling gender and gender inequality in Australia as well. So an example of that is that even when women go on maternity leave, you know, typically, they're not going to get any superannuation payments. And on average, we know that women are going to retire with about $90,000 less um, than men. And, you know, on a long-term basis, this does have consequences on our financial security as well. So even though individuals can really stand up and ensure that, you know, we're not fitting into any of those gender stereotypes and that, you know, we're empowering ourselves and having those bold conversations in our inner circle, um, we really do want to ensure that that systematic level of change is also in place. And some of this is already happening through the pandemic. So one of the interesting things was that as a lot of men are now staying at home and taking care of kids. Typically, I know that in Melbourne and Sydney, the lockdown has lasted a lot longer than in Adelaide. Um, a lot of times they're feeling that, you know, now I'm the time that I'm spending, you know, balancing work and care is a lot more equitable than it would have been. And a lot more workplaces are also becoming aware of these responsibilities are and are allowing for a lot of flexibility that allows for that balance to be a little bit more um, attainable as well. But that being said, um, it's probably going to be a much longer route. And, you know, even if sort of the societal change happens, there's two layers of change that have to happen at the same time. So I think at a personal level, people have to take that initiative, but then also at that institutional sort of governmental and organizational level, those enablers have to be in place. And if I may provide a last one, for me, it's really important to meet people where they're at. So if I'm talking about creating this change, um, both at the governmental and at that personal level, um, we have to realize that a lot of our gendered expectations are ingrained within us. And a lot of times they're because of the way perhaps that we've been brought up in society. And Australia as a multicultural country, we have to understand that we have a lot of baggage that you know we might be carrying through the sort of um, backgrounds that we come from. So it's important that we understand the consequences of the fact that you know if people are coming from various backgrounds and people are coming from various sort of you know cultural contexts as well that we have to meet people where they're at and we have to respect that and we have to be you know sometimes uncomfortable with the fact that you know because I was brought up in a certain lifestyle or household what is that impact had on my gendered expectations today 
and you know as Australia how can we acknowledge that and then build on that as well so that it provides space for everyone to express themselves but also to then move ahead as well in that equitable way. Oh cool. How has this formed your opinion on the current status of women in society? Um, so I definitely feel like we're on the path of progress, especially I feel that there's a lot more, especially young women like yourselves who are taking a lot of initiative and are willing to engage in conversation and are willing to, you know, really challenge themselves to take on a lot of untraditional roles as well. But that being said, I still feel that there's a lot of areas in which I see a lot more women being represented in a lot of, you know, for example, workplaces as well. There's certainly a lot of industries that a lot of women are not taking on the roles that men might be. But I think the biggest contribution that we can make is both, you know, as men, women and people who might not identify as either, um, is to be aware of the space that we take up. So I think that there's a lot of space that has been occupied traditionally by heterosexual um, males who, you know, are really just speaking up on those panels. And I think they have to be firstly very aware of the space that they're occupying. How do they leave some of that space for other people to emerge? And then as people who might not have that space, how do they, you know, walk into rooms and try and occupy more of that so that an untraditional and sort of you know, voices that haven't been heard before can really have the space to, you know, speak up as well. So one of the things that I really like to keep in mind is that when it comes to solving any challenge and it comes to creating ideas, it's not about just gathering the smartest people in the room. It's about really understanding and asking the question of who's not in the room, you know, who are we not including in this conversation? And one of the simplest examples that I can give you is one of those life-saving devices that we use every day, which is seatbelts. And this device is actually not meant for women's bodies. So the way that it sits on our chest is not something, you know, that is really uncomfortable. And it was because it was designed by men. So something as simple as that, you know, there's so many things around us that are exclusionary on a daily basis. And that's because we just haven't heard a diversity of voices speak up when it comes to decision-making. Um, so it's really important to be aware of, you know, who are we asking, who's included, and who are we excluding, really? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, with some of our other episodes and interviews we've been doing, we've been looking especially into gender inequality in the workplace. Um, have you ever felt that your gender has impacted the way you're treated in the workplace or throughout your schooling? Um, so in school, I definitely remember that there was a lot of spaces, like I said, that I occupied that were typically very male dominated. So one of the examples that I can give you is that I studied the International Baccalaureate and I did physics and out of my year level of about 60 students, I think there was about three women who did physics and I was the only one who did high level physics. And all of my science teachers, all of the students in my class, everyone was a male. And not to say that I ever felt discriminated against, but I definitely feel that there was a sense of um, the lack of confidence was really quite evident in me because I felt like I shouldn't be in that class. I felt like I wasn't smart enough. And ultimately I did end up getting a decent grade, but I feel like um, the confidence and that I had um, in that subject was extremely low. And I will say it definitely impacted my career decision of ever wanting to take up you know, um, university education or further work in that field as well. So I think, again, for me, it's really important to look around the room and to think about who's not in here and how do we get more of those people in here as well. I also feel like when I was growing up, I definitely had a very traditional societal standard of beauty. And that's something I've had to unlearn. And I know that 
um, a lot of my friends around me felt a lot of pressure to look a certain way and to, you know, act a certain way as well. And I, from my personal experience, feel that um, probably men had lower standards and also different standards that just weren't as strict. Um, so I think that's something to be really aware of, especially as we're going into, you know, sort of a hyper age of social media and sort of the standards are being sort of reimposed on us on a daily basis through um, a lot of Instagram influencers and a lot of other people who are occupying a lot of space again. Um, at work, I've been particularly lucky. Um, the last few roles that I've had have been actually in organizations that have been more dominated by women. So there's been more women in the work um, space that I've been in than men. And I definitely feel that it has a huge sense of, you know, um, it really supports your confidence and it really supports your willingness to speak up. So yeah, I think it's been a fairly lucky sort of um, workplace to be in. And yeah, it really has a positive impact on my willingness and ability to contribute. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, at our school, it's all girls. And I think it is a little easier because like when doing your work, I think you do feel a little more confident when you're being teach by predominantly um, female teachers and you're like surrounded by other people like like mm. you, if that makes sense. Definitely, yeah. Awesome, thank you. Thank you, see ya. Thank you so much, bye. Bye-bye.